When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning! Wrestling in, get up, get going. Man, that had a little fire behind it for Woo. once. It's been a little it's been about a week since I've been able to do it at that level. It is me, your managing editor for Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back here with the latest episode of the Winkly, and I am joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend, my good close personal friend. Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. Wow, you're putting me over this morning. I appreciate that. You're yeah. so nice. You do good work, Michael. You do a lot of you do a lot of positive things for the website. Well, thank you. I try. I, you know, you guys are fun to work with. Uh, you and Raj, everybody else I've seen. You know, oh, you guys are great. So I love you. Love the love the site. Love everybody listening today. Yeah. You know what I don't love though was your take on it. You didn't like it, Chapter Two. <laughs> no, I didn't. And. We can talk about it, chapter two, to start the show if you'd like. I will preface this by saying my girlfriend Liz, uh, she took a rare day to, to work from home here today. She could probably hear me in the other room. She really liked it too. Um, uh-huh. She cried a little bit at the end. Um, I did not enjoy it, chapter two. I thought it was a little. Um, uh, I thought it was uh, very plotting. I thought it was predictable. Mm. Um, I thought there were a lot of scenes that were like exactly from the first movie um i thought that scary stories to tell in the dark if you're looking for a good horror movie that's fun probably a better movie uh i thought bill Hader carried it chapter two on his back um yes uh i thought the writing was bad i thought that the tongue-in-cheek joke stephen (laughs) king made about how the ending was gonna suck so get ready for it uh was a little too on the head for me um there was a lot i didn't like about it chapter two well, there you go. There's your there's your 30 second review from from Nick. No, you know, I'll, it's not a horror movie, right? You said if you want to go see a horror movie, go see uh, what was it? Scary things. Scary it's the stories. Gear scary stories to tell in the dark. It's not the scariest movie you'll ever sure. see, but it's a fun, scary movie. And if you grew up on the books, it'll mean it. You'll have fun with it. You'll enjoy it. It's very. It's pretty true. It's fairly true to the to the books story wise. Yeah. Yeah. But but I will say chapter two was if you liked the characters, it is a an emotionally satisfying conclusion, at least in my opinion. But not Gross. not the greatest as in a horror movie aficionado over here, not the greatest horror movie in the world. Anyway, and wrestling. In let's order get to for it. it to be emotionally satisfied, I feel like there needs to be emotion, and I felt literally nothing. Wow. The entire wow. film, literally nothing. The entire film. So, Damn. Hot yeah. takes. <laughs> Very hot takes to get it going. Uh, I, yeah, so, uh, last week the thread, the thread was that I, I lost my voice last weekend. Uh, it, it sounds like, it looks like I, I burst a blood vessel in my throat, which I've never had happen before. It was very, very painful. So thank you all for sticking around last week through those shows as I was like, had the microphone very close to my face and was like basically whispering into it. But, uh, as you can hear, I'm about 90% right now. Uh, it chapter two wasn't very good, but my fantasy football team kicked so much ass this weekend. <laughs> so I'm riding a high on that. 
Um, and I'm here with you, Michael. Are you ready to do the damn thing here today? Let's do it, man. Lots of wrestling news to get to, and most of it's pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. So. Yeah, we got a lot of news to get to here today. Of course, we got some audio as well. But before I get to any of that, we want to congratulate uh, our good friend Kurt Angle, uh, who's been on the Winkley a couple times. Kurt and his wife, Giovanna, they adopted uh, a brand new son over the weekend. So congratulations to Kurt and Giovanna. Uh, wonderful for them. Um, but yeah, today on the show, we are going to have uh, some audio for you as well. Uh, after the news, uh, you're going to get to hear my interview uh, with Swoggle, Dylan Postle. His book, Life is Short and So Am I, drops today. It's available right now. It, today is the release day. I've been sitting on this so we could give him the full treatment here. I really like this interview a lot. I really like Dylan a lot. Um, and I think that you guys are going to dig this. And I've, I read the whole, Michael, I read a whole book about the life and times of Dylan Postle, a.k.a. Swoggle. I've actually got it sitting here right next to me. It's really good. It's very good. Why are you laughing at me? I, you know, I'm not. I'm just surprised. It's one of those laughs that I'm surprised somebody's actually saying this. And I believe you. I trust your opinion on this, right? So I would have no interest in this book if I were in a Barnes and Nobles or whatever bookstore still exists out there. But hearing you talk about the book, I'm That's like, maybe right. I want to. Maybe I want to read it now. Dude, he had a rough upbringing. He had like a bunch of surgeries before he was like nine, because you know the, mm. the the body did. Yeah, I don't want to get it wrong. It's a form of dwarfism. I don't want to. It's it's a very long medical word. With a lot of surgeries, really rough relationship with uh, his mother that he's very open about. Um, and then, of course, like he spent over a decade on the road with WWE doing like the stupidest stuff on the planet, biting Vince McMahon in his bare ass. WLC. I mean, it's a fun book. So go get the book. Go order the book. You're going to get to hear from Dylan here in a little bit talking about the book. Uh, and you're going to have a good time. You're also, after the interview with Dylan, we're going to hear an interview you did, Michael. We both get interviews here today. We're going to play your, gonna play your interview with uh, one of my favorite big men at the moment. Really just blew everyone away at the G1 this year. Lance Archer uh, is going to be on the show here with you. And you did this one from StarCast, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a StarCast. Lance Archer was there. Um, super nice guy. I mean, just listen, he's he's a beast in the ring, right? Big guy. Awesome moveset. You know, you mentioned G1 Classic and, and Air Climax and what he did there, which was really impressive. But he has this old school kind of fandom in him, which I appreciate. And um, dude is a talent, you know. I think he's he's already made a big splash in New Japan, but I'd love to see him stateside in a bigger promotion. But the, the conversation I had with him was just fun. Uh, he's just a down-to-earth dude. And um, yeah, give it a listen. Uh, and then after that, we will also play the audio here today from Jimmy Havoc StarCast Media Conference, which you are also on. So a lot of Michael Weissman audio here today. Woo! Yeah. Man. Huh. Nothing. Jimmy Havoc. You know what? I would say this, too. Jimmy Havoc was probably my favorite uh, media scrum interview of the StarCast weekend because dude was just – he's not what you think when you see him in the ring. He Outside the ring, he's hes still that, but like a human version of that. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. Those Deathmatch death guys, it's so weird. They are largely like the nicest people on the planet. I don't know yep. what it is about Deathmatch – People, maybe it's just because they're all a band of misfits that have found love and joy with one another amongst a sea of thumbtacks and broken fluorescent light tubes. But deathmatch people, some of the best people. Truly, really, they are. Uh, And on that note uh, of action, uh, we have a lot of action coming up this weekend at Wrestling Inc. Uh, Three big shows that we're going to be covering on the site. we got GCW's uh, and Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2. We're going to be doing coverage of that. Triple A is invading New York. Triple A is going to be from the Garden this weekend. We're going to have coverage of that for you this weekend as well. And of course, WWE Clash of Champions will be on Sunday. So we'll have coverage of all three of those shows here this weekend on Wrestling Inc. And uh, with that, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. Uh, we're going to start off here uh, with one of the first stories from five days ago um, The Rap, uh, talking about the recent WWE creative team shakeup. Uh, and they're noting that this was brought on. 
by several internal issues and concerns, including a severe botching of the SmackDown storyline <laughs> with Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and Eric Rowan. Uh, now, Ryan Ward was moved off SmackDown. He used to be the former head writer. His absence could be short-term. Squared Circle Sirens reported that he was just married, but the rap saying that Ward will likely join WWE's home team when he returns from the leave. Uh, when he returns from his leave, which is uh, the team of writers that does not travel each week, uh, it's going to be considered a major step down for Ward if this is the case, uh, who uh, resumed, reassumed his role as SmackDown head writer earlier this year. Um, <clears throat> the change also comes amid growing questions about Bischoff's leadership of the show. Now, their source, the rap source, cited Bischoff's decision to hire Stevie Long, a writer who formerly worked on the Sons of Anarchy TV show. Do you, uh, here's, I'll put a pin on this for just a second, I'll get right back to it. But do you get the uh, vibe that Eric Bischoff, like, really likes biker culture and people that write <laughs> about it? I mean, I don't want to go out on a limb here, but it does seem like he really enjoys biker culture, does it not? You know, I just I can see him now envisioning when he hires Stevie Long, like, man, maybe we can get a hog wild version in WWE, right? Like, can we? Yeah, dude, like, he's just, uh, he's this one kind of one note pony with this. He likes the beards, the bandanas, the motorcycles. Great show, Sons of Anarchy. Don't get me wrong, love the show, but I don't see the carryover into professional wrestling as much. Cool. You, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I will be creative head now. And you know what? You know what you guys seem to be missing with your product? biker culture and i'm gonna give it to you so anyway um the stevie longfellow from sons of anarchy uh was reportedly found asleep in the writer's room by wwe hall of famer and longtime employee michael p.s hayes uh during long's first day on the road oh. with the company he is somehow still employed bischoff declined to comment on this story uh him and the blue brand team have come under scrutiny Due to the handling of creative, their source, uh, the rap source, noted that the storyline uh, with Rowan, Brian, and Ro uh, and Roman was so was botched so bad that explaining to anyone what it was supposed to be wouldn't make any sense at all. And on that note, the Observer noting that uh, Vince held a writers' meeting on Friday and was on everybody to be creative. Uh, oh man, you know. <laughs> It's a you know, ton to unpack here. Where do I start? Uh, man, you know, there's so much to this here, especially for me, having worked so closely with Eric for so long. Um, now, this is the first time I've heard, I've read anything about Eric having leadership or input into the show. This story reads to me a bit like the heat of this storyline is being put on Eric a little bit, which is surprising because... Uh, most, if not all the reports we've read up to this point is that he hasn't had any input, but it, it does read that way, does it not? Yeah, I think that's what's so most surprising is we were, we've been waiting to see Eric Bischoff's impact when he comes. You know, he's been announced back in July, and we're going to see him come in here and make all these changes. And then now they're like, well, actually, by the way, all the things that have been happening week over week, that's all been Bischoff for the last month. They're like, wait, what? Since, yeah. since when? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, that's a strange. You know, you we knew he was moving out there. You heard on the podcast with with Conrad that he'd kind of been getting acclimated to Stanford and all that stuff. But um, yeah, you know, a lot of things about this this storyline between Daniel Bryan and Rowan, I guess, as well against Roman Reigns has been weird. And it feels like it's been kind of played by the numbers uh, with the inclusion of certain characters who maybe weren't supposed to be there originally. I've kind of liked that. I think it's been interesting. I'm not going to say it's been the greatest storyline of all time, but 
I have, but you know, so often WWE gets into this paint by numbers method of storytelling that at least this one with Reigns, Brian and Rowan has had some kind of twists and turns that you wouldn't expect. And it's felt very organic from that perspective. Now, again, not saying it's the greatest storyline. And when you hear that it's been botched, you can obviously tell that, but at least they've taken those weird turns and creases in the story and kind of done something with them. I think even last week seeing Rowan turn on Brian was a fun surprise to me, even if you're like, wait, but I thought Brian was going to be the heel here. Yeah, I I guess so. I, 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 I mean, I see both sides of it. Right. Because it did kind of feel like they were gripping at straws week to week. And I can see the the stress that comes along with that, especially if you're Vince and you're like paying these people to like write stories for you. And then each week you show up and you're like, God damn it, pal, where are we at with this thing? And they're like, all right. Roman's gonna hire Stevie Long. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna get us through the biker story. Yeah. Now it, now here's the thing. Eric Rowan, Aces and Aces coming back. That's he, your big twist. Eric Rowan, big tattooed bearded biker fellow. Follow me down the rabbit hole here. Um, no, I mean it, it depends on what they're what. What are we trying to accomplish here? Right? Were right. we trying to get to Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns? Was that the point of the story? Which which seems like it would be. Right? Did we get there? No, we haven't really gotten there. What we've gotten to is Roman versus Rowan and a, and a Daniel Bryan here that's kind of like adrift. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, absolutely. Daniel Bryan's almost been just the mouthpiece for Rowan to a certain extent in recent weeks. Right. Is that where we're trying to get? I, I can't think that that was where we were trying to get with this story. I think it's where we got because nobody knew how to get out of it. And Rowan was the most flexible of these characters. And so let's let's do something dramatic like we saw on this past uh, Tuesday night on SmackDown. That's just me guessing, but I would think that would be part of maybe the stress of coming into this because I don't think this is where we were supposed to get with this thing uh, sure. it, it, from where, where we started. I think we were supposed – and, you know, that's the thing too. If, the, if where we were trying to get was Brian and Roman, and maybe that is where we're going. Maybe they're, they're trying to string it out or whatever. But you would think that Daniel Bryan would have that moment, and maybe we'll get it at Clash of Champions where he says, I knew the whole time, of course, I was doing this. I told him to lay me out, whatever it is, and maybe we can get back on the rails. But as it stands right now, we kind of have a lot of like weirdness around these, these guys, and Daniel Bryan seems to be relegated into kind of a, uh, a dummy role, right? Like, what an idiot. You know, <laughs> I don't trust this guy and, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah, but you can spend so, – so I take on it as – I mean, again, if, if you want to see Brian versus Reigns, we've not gotten there. We may never get there, and I'm a little bit disappointed by that. Right. But along the way, we've gotten – Buddy Murphy has gotten a shine, right? He looked really good for a hot minute. That's true. Eric Rowan is looking – Rowan looks the best right now like a monster, but like a legitimate singles monster that we've not seen from him, I don't know, in his entire run in WWE. So this match with Roman Reigns on Sunday is a very high-profile feud and high-profile match and opportunity for him. So I like the fact that those characters have kind of risen as part of the ins and outs of the storyline. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. But, I mean, at the same time, on the other hand, it's like, you know, business is down in some areas right now for WWE. Yes. You're looking to – regenerate interest in top stars. Daniel Bryan is one of those guys who you know can draw, right? I would think that this would be a program to get him out of the tag title picture and elevated back into a, a, a singles title or singles run of, of note. We just didn't get there, right? And yeah. and I don't know that – I think you're right. I think that, you know, Buddy Murphy, look, is a different person because of whatever the heck happened here, right? Uh, Eric Rowan, we'll see. You know, is this going to last? We don't know. Uh, but th- again, it's like I keep going back to like, what did Daniel Bryan get out of all of this? And I don't really see a, a, an upside yet for any of this. And I think that's the guy that they wanted to do more with 
to make more money with, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. He's the money guy. Um, a feud between him and Reigns is big, and they've had great matches in the past, so they could have great matches in the future if they let them get there. So Survivor Series is around the corner. Maybe it culminates at Hell in the Cell. Uh, but it is weird this has been botched so much. Um, who is to blame for that? You know, maybe the fans, right? We pulled Buddy Murphy into this by noticing on the clip that he was what backstage. You can't with no, wait. As much as I love your WWE yesmanship here, I don't think that it is. I don't think it is incumbent on the fans to dictate the story. I think that it is still on the writers to to dictate the story. If they chose to pull something in off the internet, that is their creative yeah. choice. They could also make the creative choice to not go that route. Uh, but again, well, let, let, yeah, you know, let let let's see. This is what it is. If it is Bischoff's, if it really is Bischoff's first major storyline, and it's been kind of screwed up this much. It does seem, again, like what Bischoff has done, if you look at his other creative stints, which is have a tendency to be somewhat reactive. You know, we did look at his most recent creative run on the website uh, when he was in TNA and Impact Wrestling. And all those times, it felt very much like, here, let's throw this and see what sticks. Let's throw this and see what sticks. And, uh, you know... That's not really going to work in this case, as, as we've seen here. Um, we can blame Stevie Long for being asleep in the writer's room right now. You know what the situation is with that? I don't know. It's weird. Super but again, weird. first day on the job, even if it is a tiring job, you don't sleep, especially where other people who are in the company can see you. Yeah. But I also think really interesting here is Ryan Ward and his absence, right? And it's the thing that kind of gets overlooked with all the Bischoff conversation. But Ryan Ward was a huge influence on kind of the positive trends around SmackDown in recent years. Remember, Ryan Ward yeah. was the guy that when NXT was hot, he was the guy down there leading NXT, which is why he got brought up to SmackDown. So I, I kind of think it's interesting. I know Vince likes to shake things up, but it's interesting that he might be uh, kind of part of the, the home team and no longer part of the road team each week. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see here. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Again, it's like this is the first time I've read a report where Eric's leadership or input has even been noted, right? Um, so you know, we'll see where it goes here. Maybe a change in, in creative could do it. I just know that look, Eric doesn't have any theatrical background. This man has never taken a writing class. It, you're right. It's all reactionary. It is moment to moment where he feels the choose your own adventure should be going. Long term storytelling. I mean, look at WCW. G give me three storylines in WCW that had long term story arches. <laughs> the NWO. Okay. <laughs> Just because it never ended. <laughs> okay. So that's really not even a story arch. That is, that is, it, the NWO is 100% reactionary, right? They'd yeah. show up, they'd attack different people, they'd add different people randomly, constant chaos, and there was certainly a market for that. But that works in that one instance. Like, how do you carry that across? Maybe to build the glacier? I don't know. Was that like, I don't know. But that's the yeah. thing is you can't really look back and see any story. I don't. I can't think of a story Eric has told. You know. Well, he, and this is again. He has a history of. You look at Daniel Bryan and what happened last week with him getting attacked by Rowan, and it almost felt like Daniel Bryan was turning to a good guy again. Right. Uh, that was very strange. But that's what Eric Bischoff has history of doing, which is we all blame Vince Russo for this. Eric Bischoff is equally equally responsible for flipping guys from bad to good. At the drop of a dime. He did it all the time in TNA. And that's that's his reaction. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, we'll follow the story here as it continues. I'm very interested to, to know what's uh, what's going on in this room. So we'll, we'll get more details as they come along. We do know this from The Observer. Uh, Fox, very high on Renee Young. Uh, she is set to host this FS1 WWE news show. Uh, it said she could become exclusive to SmackDown. She'd be moved off Raw. Uh, there's no word on where Graves is going to land when Raw and SmackDown go to, to USA uh, and uh, – uh, what is it? USA and Fox. But 
Uh, he's going to probably just be on one or the other. It looks like we're going to have a hard split between the commentary teams, which I think is a very good thing. Um, and good on Fox and seeing the value here in Renee. She gets a lot of guff. I think Renee does a pretty pretty damn good job, and especially being like the trailblazer, the first woman uh, at the commentary desk, I think she's carried herself really well. And I, I see I see the value in a Renee Young here. Absolutely. She's, she's in a very challenging position being out there in commentary, being be, beside the personalities like Corey Graves, who's a very strong personality, and against somebody like Michael uh, Michael Cole, who is a he's a veteran of this business, right? So that's a tough spot to be in, and I think she does well with it. But I also think Renee's biggest strength has always been in those backstage interview segments. Talking Smack was a great show, yes, because you had Daniel Bryan, but because you had Renee Young, and she is so credible in that spot and in that position with those personal interviews and conversations. And you know, I look at this, uh, this you know, Fox Sports One WWE news show. She would be great for that, and I, I totally hope that comes to pass. Um, we had some news coming out of Raw last night, or at least a couple interesting tidbits. Uh, Steve Austin was there. He opened up the show. He closed the show. Uh, stunning AJ Styles having a big beer uh, beer bash with a lot of the top uh, baby faces. Um, I thought Steve. I mean, look, it's always so cool to see Steve Austin on these shows. He really, he really seems to be loving this right now. He's genuinely joyful out there. It looks like. Right. It makes you feel like, man, maybe he's getting this. He's been appearing more on a regular basis. Dude, he did a stunner, man. (laughs) I love it. And then last week, I don't know if you watched it, but he did the um, straight up Steve Austin with Becky Lynch, which if you haven't seen it, if you like Becky Lynch, you like Stone Cold, it's totally worth the watch. Nothing revolutionary there. But yeah, he's been more closely associated with this product as of late. And I think last night's segment with him and AJ and Braun and Seth Rollins, it really worked. I think it was a very strong opening segment. And while yes, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman and their match at Sunday at Clash of Champions kind of got overlooked in the process the back and forth between AJ Styles and Stone Cold Steve Austin was so fantastic yeah and while while you don't you know maybe the feud that you want to see the universal title match didn't get spotlighted AJ Styles took a stunner and it was a great moment and I think it put more heat on him which is exactly what you want in that heel position yeah I I agree um real real cool stuff here does I'm like watching it I'm like man he's getting more physical he took a stunner he took a stunner from Becky on that straight-up Steve Austin episode, and he's given one here. It's definitely feeling good, so just saying. Uh, speaking of Becky, Becky and Charlotte defeated Sasha and Bailey. Really entertaining match. Uh, you know, uh, reuniting here of Sasha and Bailey from the, the former tag champs. I was looking at them, and I'm like, wow, this is a really popular duo here that has some great chemistry. I wish they were a team. Oh, they were. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, also, Becky and Charlotte standing tall here going into WWE Clash. What do you, what do you make of the, uh, I guess, you know, it's a foregone conclusion the match was good. But what do you make of the finish here with these two defeating Sasha and Bayley? You know, I, I think it's, again, I'm not going to read too much into this. I think it's more we wanted to give these guys a rub because Sasha and Bayley have looked so strong in recent weeks. And with the twist with Bayley last week, we had to give Becky and Charlotte a spot. What I think it definitely means is this Sunday we have a couple of great women's matches. Like, I'm excited. I'm going to be in the house for Clash of Champions. Right. And I am stoked that we're going to see what are really kind of historic NXT dream matches here. So um, I think what it means, though, is for sure is either Sasha or Bayley. I'm thinking probably you know, Bayley, she's a champion makes sense to keep it on her but i think sasha might take that belt from becky on sunday i'm feeling that too i i agree um we also had uh, the latest king of the ring match uh, baron corbin defeated samoa joe and ricochet he's i mean what is it gable and elias tonight on smackdown isn't that the match yeah. there's no way they're doing elias corbin so it's got to be corbin gable i would think at, at clash right 
Yeah, I think so too. And I love it. Gable has had a lot of momentum kind of out of nowhere and he's looked really great in this tournament. It's been a star making opportunity for him. You know, Baron Corbin, love him or hate him. A King heel, like we talked about in recent weeks, that Macbeth type character, great fit for him. And this was a fun three-way match. I think it went through two commercial breaks, but gave them a lot of time to work. Did Joe get injured in this match? He looked like he was a little banged up. I, I couldn't. I didn't read anything. If he did, so okay. There was like a there's a the doctor was with him right after the match, and so he's grabbing his arm. Just curious. Yeah, it could have just been selling. Uh, but yeah, Cor- man, Corbin looks good right now. He's wrestling very well. He's very yes. fluid. You know, I think he's on the verge of winning people over. I think so, and I think a king role could help him get there a lot quicker. I think so, too. Uh, lastly, here coming out of Raw, NBA star Inez Cantor. Well, he's a very large man, first of all. Uh, he won the WWE 24-7 title from R-Truth in a segment that took place during the pre-Raw WWE main event tapings. Truth then won the title back pretty quickly via roll-up um, and, you know, the latest 24-7 shenanigans roll-on. Yeah, we've, um, I mean, Ines Cantor took that role up like a champ, so kudos to him. Truth, you're 15-time 24-7 champion, which is ridiculous to say. But also, this WWE 24-7 title, they did say on the show it is going to be defended on Sunday because every title will be on the line come Clash of Champions. But I I really do feel like this title, they've got to do something with it because it had all this energy over the summer, and now that we're getting kind of into September, October, I feel like it's... They're, they're doing spots like this, kind of one-off here and there, that are wider-reaching as far as pop culture. But I think as far as a wrestling audience goes, it's losing some of that momentum. You saying we're having like a sugar crash right now? I think so. <laughs> I think we're I think, so. I think so as well. Well put. Uh, wrestling Observer reporting that Shane McMahon has been off WWE TV recently because he has jury duty. <laughs> That's it. Mm. That's the whole story. Oh, uh, man. Shane McMahon on a jury panel. I'd be like, whoa. I definitely stole this car, but that's awesome. Look at Shane. He's sitting <laughs> in the jury panel. You're going to help. I mean, what is he the guy in the room that's like, he goes along with everybody else? Everybody's guilty. He's like, yeah, I agree. Or is he the one he's like, no, 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 no. Does he, does he the, uh, what is it? They have the jury. What's the lead jury person? Oh, the foreman. The foreman. Yeah. Would Shane be the foreman? I think so. I don't know. I think he'd probably want to get in and out as quick as possible and get on with his life. I see Shane being like, yeah, whatever you guys think. Let's, let's go that way. He killed this man, hundred percent. Let me let me ask you this though. In all seriousness, has Shane been missed from WWE TV? No, you know, yeah, I, I don't think so either. And uh, last week's SmackDown was really strong. You know, yep. again, it's like we read, you know, about all the drama going on backstage. But uh, you know, the product, and maybe it is because Vince is all writing it the last second there, and he's just making Vince McMahon decisions. But uh, hasn't been a bad show. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Drew McIntyre is out with injury. The report noted that the word going around the locker room is that McIntyre underwent a minor surgery to help fix a lingering injury that came up after the recent tour of Mexico. Uh, the idea was that yeah, the, the injury, I guess, wasn't terrible, but he's going to get the surgery now, so he's ready to go by WrestleMania season, which is good. And, and, and Drew, I think that right now, probably a good time for him to go away for a little bit. I don't really know that he was doing – Anything of note, I think that this is going to give them a second bite of the apple here, a chance to bring it back and hopefully put him, insert him into a meaningful position here because he did kind of just wander off into mediocrity uh, storyline-wise, you know? Yeah, well, Shane was out, Shane's out now, so it makes sense for he's, him to be out. But he was also so bogged down with that kind of being Shane's henchman storyline that I do hope he comes out of this and they put him you know, in the Rumble. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I would love to see him come out and dominate the Rumble and get some momentum for Mania season 
for a big you know, I felt like McIntyre for so long has really missed that big singles feud, and they tried to get there with Roman Reigns, but the Shane McMahon aspect kind of kept derailing it a little bit. So Drew McIntyre just needs one really great headlining singles feud to kind of get him back in the main event picture. Uh, we're going to have a change with WWE, the big four pay-per-views, starting with the Rumble in 2020. Uh, the Observer reporting uh, that we're no longer going to have uh, these big four pay-per-views taking over venues for four days at a time so i guess uh, the survivor series they do here in chicago in november that'll probably be the end of an era here as they do a four-day stint at the all-state arena um there's also no longer going to be a takeover i don't know that they'll never do them at the big four but it doesn't look like it's a guarantee because the takeover the week of the royal rumble uh on the saturday january 25th has been replaced by a world's collide event at the toyota center uh which will feature nxt nxt uk talent maybe 205 live uh, a mixture of different talents competing on that show. Um, here is the schedule. Now, it's also interesting here for the schedule with the Rumble in Texas. On Friday, January 24th, SmackDown will be in Dallas. Then on Saturday, the 25th, Worlds Collide will be in Houston, but it'll be at the Toyota Center. On Sunday, the Rumble will also be in Houston, but it's going to be at Minute Maid Park, so different venues. And then on Raw on Monday, they're going to be going to, to San Antonio. Now, having been from Texas, I can tell you, these cities are not really that close to each other. Mm-mm. It's like Mm-mm. Texas is like five states. Um, but what I thought, you know, you know, I, I think this is a good move here that does seem like, you know, having done been on the grind for a couple of years with WWE covering these pay-per-views by that fourth day, that crowd is shot and it gets harder and harder to draw in the same market at the same venue. So I get the, the I get the idea behind this. Uh, but I also thought it was kind of cool. I didn't know that they were doing the rumble from Minute Maid Park. Uh, in Houston, Minute Maid Park is an open arena or open baseball stadium. This will this will be an outdoors event, which I don't think we've seen a big four uh, do in, in some time outside of WrestleManias, you know. Yeah, they've been teasing. I mean, they've been doing bigger arenas for Rumble, I think, the last couple of years, um, but not, not a truly outdoor arena like this, I can't recall. But they have been leaning more into, I mean, even Survivor Series last year doing it across the border. So it is interesting. I, I wonder where NXT ends up in all of this, because historically that was a great spot to put NXT that Saturday night spot. You know, you had Friday nights, uh, kind of nothing Saturday nights, NXT Sunday, the big show, and then Monday and Tuesday being your, your main brands. But now that NXT is kind of being treated more like one of your main brands with it being on USA, does the takeover card still need to exist? Another report here says uh, they will continue, but I, I don't know, Nick, you know, I, Worlds Collide's an interesting one because I think this year at Mania, it wasn't its own pay-per-view or its own show. It was just recorded as part of WrestleMania Access, right? Right. Yeah, correct. So, so uh, you know, that was a, a good fit for that. It gave the fans something to watch here. But taking TakeOver away, are those talents – I mean, again, Royal Rumble, you will see NXT talents, obviously. But do you start putting the NXT talent on that now that it is a main brand show? Uh, great, great question. Uh, that you know what I I honestly hadn't really thought of it that that hard, but yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think we could see the NXT talents uh, being pulled into Rumble matches and things like that, and given the same exposure as Raw and SmackDown, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also thought it was interesting they sent out a press release uh, over the weekend, or maybe it was on Friday, uh, where uh, WWE and Full Sail University have like expanded on their relationship, basically saying we're going to be going live from Full Sail each week. Um, I was a little surprised by that. Um, just because I thought that this would maybe be more of a temporary thing with NXT staying at full sale and before they hit the road and take this elsewhere. Looks like they're going to be at full sale here for at least the foreseeable future here. I'm, I'm interested to see how that pays off. If it does yeah, pay I, off, you know. That is, that is interesting. Um, 
but you know, I do like that partnership and I think it does give NXT a unique look. So maybe they still want to keep it different. I also think I look at the schedule now and I hadn't really thought about it until I see it on writing here. Smackdown Friday nights, raw on Mondays. You mentioned how exhausting those kind of stints used to be Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and ending with Smackdown always felt like the show that you could kind of take or leave, right? Like, well, I'm getting out of town early. I'm going to skip that one. But now Smackdown is your go home show. And I think that's going to put a lot of emphasis and importance around Smackdown that hasn't existed before, especially for big four weekends like this. Agreed. Um, so we got some other NXT news here. The Observer reporting that despite reports that she has quit, Casey Catanzaro remains under contract as of last week. Uh, people close to the situation have said uh, that she has not quit and that she is not injured to any significant degree. Uh, Sports Illustrated caught up with Ricochet, her boyfriend, who had the following to say. Uh, he said, she's still with the company. She's not retired at all, and she's not injured. It's a tough spot, and we're all hurting, but there's nothing wrong with her. Uh, on if she will wrestle again, he said, I don't know. She's very family-oriented, and she wants kids. So she doesn't know if being on the road so much is for her. For me, I'm already too deep. <laughs> I'm on the road <laughs> all the time. She loves wrestling, and she loves it here, and she's so good at it. So it's a very d- tough decision for her. It, you know, this just sounds like this is a woman who, you know, is in there. She's trying it out, but she wants to have kids. She's about the love of her life. It sounds like you're in Ricochet. So, you know, this is on her. Either way, I think yeah. she's very, very talented. But if you want to go have kids, go have kids and, and live your life and be happy, you know. Well, especially with one of you dedicated, you know, Ricochet kind of doubling down here. I'm going to be on the road. I love this. <laughs> I'm in it too makes- deep, Mike. Yep. I'm in too yep. deep. <laughs> Just when I get back out, they pull me back in. Yeah. I, owe, I owe Eric Rowan 15 grand and his gang of bikers are going to shake me down. <laughs> Aces and eights. Coming back, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, also from the world of NXT, WWE has signed King Cuerno of Lucha Underground fame. And they've also signed former Mexican soccer player Edgar Lopez. Uh the, uh, I don't know really anything about Lopez, but uh, Cuerno, of course, with this has been buzzed about for a while. Good for him. He'll be a great addition down there. And another another big name, quality talent in NXT. This place is it's it's glut. It's a glut of talent. There's too there's yep. too much talent. You know. So. Yep. I, you can almost do a takeover show every month with them. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, here from NXT, Matt Riddle insinuated in a Twitter video that he has heat down in NXT because nobody. Would give him a ride. They're too busy with their fancy talent tonight. They don't got room for the bro, the king of the bros. Well, Tom Tommaso Ciampa saw this video from Matt Riddle, and he tweeted Matt, and he said, "The boys shall police themselves, aka go f yourself." Um, hard to tell with Matt what's real and what's not. Uh, I mean, he's very outspoken. This this all feels like a work to me, though. I don't yeah. know. But I mean, you know, it, what's real, what's not real, it doesn't matter because he's getting the attention he wants and needs. And now you think, man, Riddle and Ciampa, that could be a, a really good match, right? It would be fantastic. I hope Ciampa's back <laughs> pretty soon. Um, and lastly here, our final WWE piece before we get to the non-WWE stuff. This, uh, this did a lot of traffic on the website. <laughs> Rusev now has a mustache. He's trying it out. Did you see the mustache photo? Yes. Well, yes. I, it's I, fantastic. Oh, I was going to say, well, I must ask you a question, Michael, uh, if you like this mustache. Obviously, uh, you did. He was ripped, too. Rusev is, like, jacked these days. I like it. I like the clean-shaven clean beast mode with the cut, the tight-cut hair. This is He's a little porn stashy for me with the Rusev, so I, I, I'm not digging them. I've had a mustache. I could rock. I have a killer stash. But uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the mustache look. It, it always anytime I have a mustache, people walk up to you and they're like, "Oh, are you allowed to be within a hundred yards of this school or whatever?" And it's like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> like, I get that. Oh, that. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> like, oh, 
Thanks, thanks. Uh, all right, on to the non-WWE stuff. Uh, the Observer reporting, uh, AEW on TNT, still no name for the show, will be TV14. Now, while TNT and AEW have agreed to produce more edgy, a more edgy show than WWE, TNT has provided them a specific rules list regarding what lines they can't cross. The show will be categorized as, sports, uh, as a sports event and not as entertainment, unlike WWE. So, different branding here. Well, what do you think? Do you think these are smart moves here uh, on, on AEW's part? Yeah, I think they're logical. They're kind of common sense. It's what we expected from this product. Again, categorizing it as a sports event. It's what AEW wants. It's what their particular subset of fans want. Obviously, there are going to be some things they can't do on TV, and, and I'm sure blood is one of those conversations where, well, they might allow a little bit because it's TV 14, but uh, you can only go so far. So think, all logical decisions. TNT knows what they what they're getting with this product. I don't think the blood's the problem. I think it's I think it's stuff like the unprotected chair shots to the head. I don't think sure. they do that. I wonder if pile drivers came up in the conversation. Um, I wonder if the animal thing came up in the conversation. I wonder if the cigarette thing came up in the conversation. Yeah. You know, or they can't have that on TV. So I'm you know that's the that's the thing about AEW here. They've they've pretty much been in the wild west here for about a year, right? Try everything out, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. You know, the, the four things I just listed off right there, I think those are no brainers when it comes to like sure. going to mainstream TV. This isn't; these are not controversial opinions, despite what some people may want to put into my Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> so. Well, they're they're opinion. They're things that also other TV shows can't get away with. You mentioned the cigarette smoking in particular, right? Why would you allow it on a sporting event when TV shows aren't allowed to have smoking unless they're rated like TVMA? Or I don't know what the exact ruling is, but there is some rule around like. If you're a movie, unless it is historically accurate, you cannot have cigarette smoke because it makes you rated R. So. Well, unfortunately, I've had to do too much research into this because I'm feeling so many people from all sides on this issue here. It's, I actually don't think there is a law that says you can't smoke, but there is, uh, there is legislation against, of course, promoting cigarettes in a way – that you know you can't do commercial for cigarettes. It's also a lot of unwritten rules in the entertain. It's unwritten rules in the entertainment industry about how to handle cigarettes, which is why, if you see in streaming shows like Stranger Things, they got so much heat about smoking cigarettes and stuff. It's because there's not a law that says you can't do this, right? It's been unwritten rules, so it would almost be incumbent upon like a, a, a federal law to say if you're going to be doing a show that targets TV 14 or under or any kind of content that's TV 14 or under. You can't have cigarette smoking, or you can't have the good guys smoking cigarettes or something like that. That law does not technically exist right now. Mm. But we all, because of the years of research that have gone into this issue, we understand how susceptible children are to smoking and how easy it is for them to go grab their mom's pack of cigarettes out of her purse and to go try it out in their backyard. So right. uh, that is why it does not happen. I think that these, the entertainment industry has largely just come to that own conclusion and enforced that rule because they don't want the federal government intruding upon what they can and can't do with their products. So that's the long and the short of why this, is, why this situation is the way it is and why there are, uh, there are people on both sides, I guess. They can make their arguments. Um, but it has been the case for decades now do not include cigarette smoking. Uh, not only is scripted entertainment, but if you go to like war zones and stuff, you're not even allowed to show like uh, guys out in the field smoking cigarettes in like Afghanistan or something like that because they don't want to show <laughs> they don't want to they don't want to attach cigarette smoking to the the military. And I think that that's something actually the military has requested. So there you go. There you go. Did a lot of research on that one. <laughs> but the animals thing, I think that that's also something that came up that they're probably going to shy away from. 
I don't think that the, the ch- unprotected chair shots thing, I don't think that's long for AEW either. So those are just a couple things that I think would maybe be on that list, but who knows? I don't have the list. Maybe Chris Jericho can give me the list or put me on it. Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of Jericho, he's going to defend the AEW World Championship against Cody Rhodes at full gear. Um, what do you think of the call here? First title defense against Cody Rhodes. You know, I came out of the last show and said, who's your strongest guy? Who who has been booked the strongest in your company since day one? It's been Cody Rhodes. And he's had, you know, they mentioned the win-loss record here. He's just looked great in all of his victories, though, and he had the tie. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad to see them kind of, again, we don't have a specific set of rules that dictate, you know, wins and losses will be calculated and done this and that and the other. And that's how we come to this weird mathematical way that we decide on number one contender, right? But... You hear Tony Khan talk about it, and you hear the rationale behind it. And it is, this feels like a main event level match. Every match Cody Rhodes has been in has felt like a main event level match. This should be a great pairing, but I do not expect Cody Rhodes to win here. And honestly, I think this is where you get your MJF heel or MJF turn against Cody. Uh, you think so? I think they hold off on it, man. I think they're enjoying the, the tension here um, between these two. I don't you know. Who knows? Mm. Uh, AEW, uh, speaking of Cody, has released the following statement regarding Cody chanting Puto following a CMLL match last month. Uh, apparently, I did not know this. That word that I just said, and I, I shouldn't say it again, apparently is a homophobic slur in, in Spanish. And I, I didn't even know that. Uh, Cody joined his teammates at AAA Triple Mania for what he understood to be a post-match tradition in Mexico and was unaware of any negative connotations. Certainly the last thing Cody would want to do is hurt or offend anyone, anywhere. So good on him. I didn't even think this. I mean, good on him for making that very clear and educating someone like me because I did not. And I've heard, I don't want to name names, but I've heard a lot of luchadors scream that word in the ring at other people to their face. And I wonder if we see less of that now. Well, I also think, too, this is a this is a word that has a different meaning. It's just picked up the common slang term to have this homophobic uh, definition around it. Right. So in defense of kind of what's going on here, Cody not understanding this word has that is totally acceptable. I mean, Again, he was just kind of doing what was everybody he's used to doing here in this environment, but he did the right thing. And this is what I want to call out here. The most important thing right. is that people make mistakes. Cody, a VP of a major professional wrestling company, made a mistake, but he, what he did was he owned up to it and he apologized okay. for, for it. And, and that's what you got to do. And that's happened largely in pretty much every situation with AEW, you know. Um, yep. uh, the, the dog thing, Tony Khan was like, we're not bringing Pharaoh back. That was a bad idea. We apologize for scaring the shit out of the dog. Um, the chair shots to the head thing, there was a, they were a little more coy about that one. I think they, they kind of phrased it like maybe on pay-per-views you'll see it, not on TV. I don't even know if that they'll go that far. But largely, the the AEW has been pretty good to, uh, to owning up when they've, when they've screwed up. And, and a lot in some cases... Uh, embracing it, leaning into it, and making those mistakes into PR stunts for them. And, and on that note, sure. we got the I think the final the final bit of news here about the AEW World Title drama uh, about this missing title, the Tallahassee Democrat, which has really been following the story cl- closely. Uh, Frank Price is the man who found the AEW World Title in the middle of the road. He is the assistant director of the Florida Natural Areas Inventory at Florida State University and does not follow pro wrestling. I would encourage you to go read this story. It's pretty hilarious because this guy is not a pro wrestling fan. He's just like, oh, I found this crazy belt in the middle of the road. And he, like, for a short time, like a couple hours, like, had a Craigslist posting that was like, hey, did you, did you lose a belt? Get, give me your name. And and if info. there's anybody out there listening to this and you don't know the story, um, Wait, did we talk? Was this a week ago that this happened now? Yeah, it happened on Wednesday. So I don't think that we – I think the story, like, broke late Tuesday or oh, Wednesday. Yeah. So I don't know that we talked yeah. about it. But, yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I'm just going to say, yes, Chris Jericho, your reigning, defending AEW world champion, um, lost the AEW world title for a period of about 24 hours and uh, hilarity ensued and great promos from Chris Jericho. And, but, but you got to look up the whole story. Uh, but the, yeah, this is just this random dude found it. That's awesome. Well, Frank doesn't <laughs> think the title was ever stolen. That is the final mm. wrinkle in this story here. He says, I think what happened is they set it on the trunk of the limo and it just fell off. The only other possibility is that it was part of a pro wrestling plot setup. They need all the publicity they can get. <laughs> Frank oh, Price kind of heel promo here for a guy, <laughs> guy that doesn't know anything about wrestling, throwing some shade. Oh, he just seems like he's just this guy. He's Florida natural areas inventory is so pissed off, man. That's more roadkill. These people trashing up our Florida natural areas, sons of bitches in pro wrestling. <laughs> I love Frank's like this whole it got stolen thing. This narrative is wrong. I think these people were just like aloof uh, and left this thing on the trunk of the limo and it, it fell off. So anyway, that's the last part of that story. Um, mm. Wrestling Inc., uh, this was an exclusive that uh, we, I, broke uh, yesterday on the site. Bellator, is, Bellator has made an offer to Impact Wrestling's TJ Perkins for a fight. Now, uh, from what I've been told, the initial timeline offered to Perkins for the fight was too short. Uh, the conversations are still ongoing, from what I know. Uh, Bellator is hoping to land per Perkins uh, for a fight in November. Uh, or was hoping, but I don't think that's going to happen. Currently, the two sides are discussing logistics, such as how much TJ would be paid, what weight class he would fight in. I think they wanted him at like a little higher uh, weight class than, than he was looking for. Uh, the weight, Bellator, oh yeah, that's what it said here, it was too high. Um, but so from this point, what we know, it's really just in negotiations. Um, I have touched base with TJ and Bellator. We've talked to both sides to get all this confirmed here. Um, this all it appears to be on the level to the point that TJ is actually going to be talking with me here in a couple hours. We're going to bring him on the show here tomorrow to, to dive into this a little bit more. Um, but I didn't know that TJ had a fight background. Uh, and uh, from talking to TJ since I broke this story here, he has been training, uh, but he didn't he didn't know that people knew that he was training. And I don't think that he knows who tipped Bellator off that he could even take a fight if he were to take this fight, you know? That's cr that, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, that's awesome for TJP, and it's a big name for Bellator to get and again draw in that crossover audience, which they love. So um, I, I'm really curious to see TJP in a Bellator fight. Like, what does that look like? I agree. I mean, well, and Jack Swagger has really taken to to Bellator like a fish in water here. I, I know that Bellator Scott Coker, very different guy than Dana White. He likes the pageantry. I, I legit, I think that they're, I don't know who their scouts are or whatever, but I think Scott Coker said, go find me more pro wrestlers that can fight. I, these guys get it. Yep. They know how to work the cameras. They know how to be showmen. They know how to work the press. I want more of these guys in my promotion. That's what my thought process is, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a smart business move. But again, TJ, you know, Jack Swagger here, Jack Hager, has a wrestling, amateur wrestling background. TJP was always training to be a pro wrestler, right? He, he trained at a... Uh, Lucha school when he was young. Didn't I? I mean, this yeah. is just a anyway. I'm excited for it. Let me just say that I sound skeptical, but I don't mean that to be a negative thing. Well, I think it's an interesting get. Yeah, and you know that's the thing is you know I'll talk to TJ here. I'm as interested as you are to find out what his fight background is. You know what he who's yeah. been training with and what styles and things like that. So we'll know here tomorrow. So we'll let you know. Um, PW Insight or no? Before we get to that, uh, Anthem Sports and Entertainment have announced that they have acquired a majority interest in Mark Cuban's Access TV and HDNet movies. Long-time comedian and actor Steve Harvey has joined Anthem as an investor <laughs> and strategic partner through his Steve Harvey Global Production Company. Harvey now has a seat on the Anthem board. 
Anthem, the parent company of Impact Wrestling, will assume daily operations of both these channels, Wrestling Promotions, New Japan, and Women of Wrestling. Wow. Both are currently on access. You throw Impact into the mix. You got three wrestling products on one network here. Um, very, uh, very interesting. I mean, I, I kind of dig the idea of like a wrestling block on like, you know, uh, Thursday or Friday night. Uh, I also kind of wonder with Impact, you know, Impact being owned by Anthem, Anthem also owning the network. They're about as close as you could get to WCW Turner, more so than AEW and TNT, right? AEW is its yep. own entity away from TNT. This is really a situation here where if you wanted to play those like Bischoff Turner games, of like picking your times and running to commercials early or playing with the platform a little bit, it seems like you would have the flexibility to do that. And I, I do wonder if Impact doesn't get into the Wednesday Night War game here uh, sooner than later. Yeah, I think it's an interesting um, perspective there, right? I hadn't thought about that with they, they have more flexibility because they own the damn promotion. Yeah. But I also feel like it's different from the perspective of Anthem and Impact just feel so much smaller scale than everything happening around them. And that's the great talent. I'm not dissing them. And again, a lot of, you know, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling being on there, Women of Wrestling being on the network. So a lot of interesting stuff there. But if they move to Wednesday nights, does it does it make a splash? <laughs> I don't a know. Puddle, right? I, I guess it depends on what you do. Their product is strong right now. Impact, yes. is, Impact is a very good product right now. A, a bigger platform, if they could go live, I don't know if that's going to be in the cards here. I do feel like they've maybe been holding a few chips back while they figured all this out. Now that the deal is done, I wonder if they push a few chips in here and go a little bit bigger with the Impact product. I know Ed Nordholm absolutely loves uh, the Impact product. So, and, and again, it's like, you know, you got New Japan and women are wrestling here. I would imagine WoW is going to stay on Access. I, I I don't know what New Japan's deal is with Access, but Don Callis has been pretty open about the fact that he loves working with New Japan. Those guys love him. He's friends with Chris Jericho. So I wonder if this doesn't open up the door for Impact to start doing more with these other promotions as well. You know, I think so. Especially you talk about New Japan and how the relationship between them and Ring of Honor is kind of not what it once was. Uh, you, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, well, also from the world of Impact, uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Killer Cross has hired an attorney to handle communications with Impact while he tries to get out of his contract. He currently has another 18 months left on his deal. Of course, we talked late last week about the story where Cross was apparently asked to blade uh, at, at the most recent uh, Impact pay-per-view in his uh, first blood match against Eddie Edwards. They didn't have a medical person on uh, staff at the time, so he didn't want to do it. Um, so it's gotten just messy here with cross and impact wrestling. And, you know, if the guy's under contract, I don't know how strong the contract is, but you know, impact is unhappy with him. They don't, they don't have to let him go. So this, I'll be interested to see how this all plays out with cross, you know? Yeah. And it it does seem like cross is a guy who's ready to move on and and cross, I think could get picked up somewhere even bigger and NXT, right? Maybe who knows, uh, AEW, but, um, good, good, smart move here hiring an attorney to do kind of the in-between work. Uh, well, New Japan Pro Wrestling has announced that the Rock and Roll Express uh, will be joining them for their East Coast Fighting Spirit Unleashed, uh, Unleashed Tour. Um, very cool. Rock and Roll Express are on fire right now. Them and G.O.D., that's a, that's a dream match. Uh, good for them, especially with those East Coast American fans. I'm sure that this will help with the draw if it needed help with the draw. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. New Japan hiring Rock and Roll Express in 2019 feels like the most. I, th- this is going to sound dismissive, but the most New Japan pro wrestling move of all time, right? <laughs> like, let's hire somebody in popular in America to kind of branch into the audience, and they hire the Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll Express are over right now, buddy. They're doing great matches. Ricky Morton's got the best uh, Canadian destroyer on the Indies at the moment. 
I totally 100% agree with that, but I feel like for the longest time, New Japan has been trying to expand in this market, and I feel like they've been doing it in kind of low-scale ways, right? And what I mean by that is, you're right, there is a following here, but this isn't going to make waves with the greater pro wrestling audience in a way that somebody big would do. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, I don't <clears throat> know, man. Rock and Roll Express are... People really like the Rock Roll Express, so I don't want to undervalue the Rock Roll Express. Um, but yeah, I That's, guess you know if you're going to the, especially you're going to 2300 Arena here as part of this tour. I don't know, maybe we hear see a couple of ECW guys could pop up as well. That always helps. So I don't know. That's fair. I, and, and don't hear me, please, discounting Rock and Roll Express. I think we get it, Michael. Impact- you hate the Rock and Roll <laughs> Express. We get it. I've got to take a stand on this because nobody else will, Nick. Okay. <laughs> sure. Great. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, Flip Gordon fired from Villain Enterprises, uh, apparently for because he ordered a steak well done. That was the storyline version given. Uh, Villain Inter- VETV, I guess, is a thing, like the, their version of BTE. Um, Flip was asked by a fan if he would join Bullet Club, and he replied, are they still a thing? Which really <laughs> seems to have pissed off Tomatonga, who fired off the following tweets, is your company? Um, I, uh, he also said, I've never seen a handicapped mercenary before villain enterprises really doing a good job recruiting the best. Um, huh. he also said, you got a five, two Mary Poppins as your leader, a one legged, a one leg, one arm handicapped mercenary, a 68 year old Frankenstein. Who's not human, but obviously is when he dove at the floor and split his effing wig. What are you guys? The failed BTE recruits. Uh, of, of new of note, Tama did leave Brody King out of this discussion, who he seems to really like, and did offer him a chance to join Bullet Club. Tama Tonga, though, he, look, there's anybody you don't want to mess with on Twitter. It's Tama Tonga. He will go full in and destroy you. Um, this was not a good look for Flip. I didn't think. No, no, he he got owned in this exchange. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. The latest from uh, Ve and Flip Gordon. Uh, and lastly, here uh, it's a bit of sad news here. ODB has revealed that her meet-and-greet food truck, which was at StarCast 3, we just saw it about a week ago, Michael, it is burned down. Uh, Oh, no! It happened overnight. She woke up to the the meet-and-greet food truck being on fire. So uh, hopefully she had insurance. Hopefully get that thing back up and running because people people loved this thing. This was the talk of the town at StarCast. People really enjoyed ODB and her food truck. This thing was awesome, and, and it's a great promotional tool. I didn't get to eat at it, unfortunately. I did get a, a couple of great pictures of it and, and some great footage of the thing, so I need to post those in, in memoriam of this thing. That is, This is the most unfortunate news I've heard in quite some time. My guest at this time is a former WWE Cruiserweight champion and the author of the upcoming autobiography, Life is Short, and So Am I. It's Dylan Hornswoggle Possel. Dylan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me again. Nick, I always love when your name comes up on my phone. It's always going to be a good time talking to you. Well, I've ta- I've definitely chatted with you a few times over the years, but this is a different kind of conversation we're going to have today because I read your I read a book about you, like a whole book that's just yeah. about you, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's surreal. This is this. I've been I've been saying to like my buddies and my dad. It's just like it's another crazy thing that I never thought I would check off the bucket list. And it's it's here and it's being checked off. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I want to ask you, you know, why did you think that now was the right time for you to sit down and finally pin? I mean, it's a pretty epic story that you've got. Uh, so I always I always thought about doing one, um, but I'm, I'm lazy to to put, to be blunt. Um, 
so doing it myself, I, I just wasn't going to do it. And then I, so I always put it off. And uh, after I got released, Ian Douglas um, reached out to me and said, hey, would you, would you ever want to do a book? And we got to, to doing it immediately. So I, I started it with him. Um, we worked on it for about a year, nine months, nine months to a year, I would say. And then uh, we went to the publishers and we got Ross Owen Williams on board and we kind of redid it and made it even better um, using, using what Ian kind of started with as well. And here we are. Yeah, well, the book really read very much like in your voice. How hard was it to work with ghostwriters to get this whole thing put together? So uh, Ian is from Detroit. Um, so with him, it wasn't hard very much at all. But Ross is from England. So that one, sorry. So that one was a bit, um, a bit tougher. Just to ensure that, you know, after, you know, when editing it and reading it, Ross so worried at times about the, you know, the British kind of slang and terms at times. Um, but that, both of them, especially Ross, his biggest thing was, he goes, I want it to sound like you. The biggest thing in all of this, I want it to sound, and that was really, it was really uh, important to me as well, because I, I wanted it to be me. I wanted it to be like, you're sitting down and just talking to me. And I think it came off that way, hopefully. Yeah, I, I thought it did come across uh, in your voice. It was it was interesting, too, because you dig into some like uh, pretty rough chapters in your life there. You know, the first couple chapters, they're talking about the relationship with your mom and your dad. You, it seems like you had very different relationships with them. You know, how does it how does it feel for them to, to read this stuff, like to hear your side of it on the on the written page? Um, so my dad. I went to my dad about it and my, my stepmom, who I, who I call my mom now, um, I kind of went to them about it. I, I went to, with, the, with that kind of stuff. And I said, Hey guys, like this is too rough. And they, they both didn't know what to tell me. They both kind of said, it's your book. Like, this is your book. You, you need to tell it. And to be honest, even as rough as it, as it is, I, I took some stuff about my real mom out of there that I just almost stuffed that, Maybe it was a little pot shoddy, you know, if, if I can use that term. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, it was, it was a real kind of a rough upbringing at times with her and my relationship with her, you know, for now 25 years is, is nothing. And it's, uh, but I, I also wanted to put it out there like, hey, this was a huge speed bump in my life, but I'm over it and I'm doing pretty damn good. You're you're doing great, Dylan, and, and like that's th- that's that's the thing is like I'm reading this book here, and to read all of the tribulations you had so early on, you know, one of the other ones that was like not necessarily a physical uh, uh, hurdle for you to get over, but what, what happened with your your brother, your half brother Clint, there, um, you know, talk a little bit for the people out there who who don't know anything about Clint and the impact he had on you getting into pro wrestling and and the effect his passing had on you. Yeah, so I. Uh... My, my mom has two kids. My real mom has two kids or had my, my half sister, Tara and my half brother, Clint. And when I was growing up, I was really young, four or five. Um, Clint was a big wrestling fan and he kind of instilled that in me. That was our connection. I just always wanted to be like him. You know, he's my big brother. And so he instilled the love of professional wrestling to me. And I was immediately 
encapsulated with everything professional wrestling. Uh, and then when he was 16, you know, after my parents' divorce, he didn't take that very well. And um, I think it's safe to say his relationship with my mom was, you know, his real mom was strained at times because of the divorce and because of her demons, as we say in the wrestling business. Um, he committed suicide at 16 years old, and that's that. That was it's just, but it's one of those things where, again, yeah, it happened, but I, I think it, I, grow, like, moving past it as I got older, I was like, I'm not going to let this affect me. Like, I can sit here and, and, and cry, but how long How long can you cry and be sad about it? Um, I, I remember the, the fun moments that we had together, the, you know, about wrestling or about playing pool and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just uh, that you can't let stuff affect you because otherwise you're just going to sit and mope and not going to be able to enjoy life. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to hedge my questions a bit here, Dylan, because I, I don't want to give away too much of the book here. But needless to say, you know, a lot of the early part of the book is is talking yeah. about a lot of the you know physical and emotional struggles you, you move past to. And it did seem like once you started doing like backyard wrestling with your friends and stuff, uh, things started to turn around for you. You started to find some momentum. You know, I love talking about backyard wrestling. And I was fascinated. <laughs> I was fascinated by the, the anecdote you put in there that you all managed to score a local TV time slot for your backyard wrestling. How it was, we, uh, I, one of the, one of the guys involved in the backyard wrestling show and company, we call it a company, of course, cause you know, we were putting on shows and we, uh, he worked at the local, at the local TV station. He slid us into a time slot. That's crazy. It was, just, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was kids. We were kids. We were 13, 12, 13 year old kids messing around in the backyard. Man. And so wait, do these tapes still exist of like the old local TV show you used to do? They do. And every time, um, that I seem to meet, uh, meet a female, and and get to you know hang start hanging out we start dating. My parents, of course, when I go over there for dinner, my parents, of course, will show her said tapes <laughs> as a hey, did you know about this? And, um, we all sat down, me and my my my. It's hard to knock for my brothers, but my my step brothers, um, we all sat down with their wives and just watched them. It's so cringeworthy, but it was kids having fun. That's literally what it was. And it's just, man, it was, it was some of the most fun times we were at. We're going to get that on the WWE network. They're always buying up tape libraries. No, that will, uh, I, it's cringeworthy enough for me. I think, I think Landon has seen a little bit of it. My son, um, not to jump ahead too far. I think he's seen a little bit of it, but it's not, yeah, I don't. I, I, if I went the rest of my life without ever watching it, I think I'd be okay with that. Now, what was your original pro wrestling name that you gave yourself in the backyard? The Hardcore Wonder. Uh, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. Um, but that was that was my that was my backyard wrestling name. It's the Hardcore Wonder. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll flash forward a little bit here. You start. You actually get into real training here. You get picked up here out of the backyard, and you yeah. get early on. You hook up with Ken Anderson here, who's a guy that would come back several times throughout this book. Uh, what was mm-hmm. it? What was it like getting to meet Ken? What is your relationship like with him, even to the, even to this day? Uh, to this day, we still we still chat here and there. Um, I'm actually going to to work for his Academy of Professional Wrestling uh, next month, so 
it'll be good to catch up in person. We, we don't really run into each other that much, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, he, he was my trainer. He was my trainer in, in the local, for, you know, for the local independent company and training me to wrestle. And he, he that he got me into, he got me into wrestling independently and later he would get me into WWE professionally. And just, it's, it's crazy to think that I literally have 90% of my career to thank to him. Yeah, you, you talked how in the book, you know, I say he came up a couple times here. I'll try to condense some of my Ken Kennedy questions here for you. You know, in the book, you talk about being in the locker room, you know, during the Benoit tragedy, which is like a fascinating part of the book there. And you say that a lot of the guys that went out to talk had talking points, but Ken said something that, that he got heat for in the press with WWE. I, I'm just kind of interested, you know, what what did he say that they did not like during that period of time? Do you remember? I don't remember what it was. I just remember... Um... You know, with all the all the Chris Benoit stuff, the unfortunate uh, time in wrestling, and in uh, you know just news, um, he did he did some interviews and WWE didn't. I always heard WWE didn't like what he said. Man, yeah, and you know why do you think that Orton didn't didn't take to Ken? You know, it just seemed like you know you said in the like you write about in the book. You know, he kept hitting hurdle after hurdle there. You know, why don't why don't you think that he found a rhythm there in WWE? <sighs> It, it just seemed like he was always he always had bad luck throughout his career in WWE. So he always had bad luck, whether it's you know injuries or um, the interview stuff or or all that. It just seems like he, he he could never he could he could never hit that single and get on. Yeah, yeah. How, how ironic was it for you to be in that moment where you like I guess like you say it's like you haven't confirmed he was going to be Vince's son, but to kind of step into that role. Of something that you thought would maybe go to your friend there. One of the best days of my life, in all honesty. It was, and I didn't realize how big it was going to be. Um, I, I, throughout my career, I never knew how big things would be. And that was one of them. And it just, who knew I would be in main event segments with Vince McMahon for many weeks. Yeah. It, you know, your your relationship with Vince, I thought, was like also just as interesting. A lot of the times it seems like he goes out of way goes out of his way to be like really nice to you, right? Like am I getting that wrong? No. He was I don't I don't think and this is probably gonna come back to bite me, I don't think I have a bad Vince like Vince being negative towards me. Like outright negative towards me at all. I I I can't think of one. Yeah. But it just be he, like any boss, if you do what he asks and you bust your ass, you're going to have a great relationship for the most part. Were you surprised that he was like really sensitive about the word midget? That caught me off guard that he was like, no. That's Man, he, that he, blew my mind. Yeah. I, I just, I still remember, I remember like it was yesterday being underneath the ring and, and him saying that. And it just like, I was like, I felt proud like he was standing up for me and I was just started with the company, but it was, it was, yeah, it was very weird to me that, you know, WWE has done some, some, you know, questionable things at times in their storylines, but the word midget, he really like hates and he's, he's against. Why? That's, that's wild. Does it, I, I don't know. Is he, he does seem, I don't know. Maybe, maybe seems... it's like, cause you know, from the old carny days of midget wrestling okay. and you know, the, the circuses, maybe it's that. Okay. I don't know. That's okay. all I can think of. Okay. 
It's interesting. I, it seems very. It seems a little PC for Vince. Yeah, that's why I was just very like, much, right? very much so. Yeah, I guess it makes more sense if he's like trying to move away from the carny stuff. It's not maybe necessarily the yeah. word offensive. It's the it's the yeah. fact that maybe getting tied to the carnivals. Maybe that's what offends him. That's interesting. Maybe I mean obviously he knows it can be offensive. People can take it that way, so maybe he correlates it with that too. Sure. Well, you talk about offensive. You had a like a very unique experience with Vince, where you like. You know, you, you got to bite him in the bare ass, which is uh, another very interesting part of the book there. Um, you don't really, like, describe, like, what that experience is like, though. Like, bite, like, I don't know, like, the taste? I don't know. Is that a weird way to phrase this? Like, what is biting Vince's ass like, I guess is what I'm asking here. Well, well, Nick, I don't know if you know this, but I don't really bite a person in the ass. What? Rest, I mean, no. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so it's just cheek to cheek, brother. Just cheek to cheek, you know. Man, it's intimidating, though. Were you kind of worried maybe like you would fart or something in your face? I was really, you know, because he's always known as a, a jokester. So I, was, I thought about it. I was like, oh, man, maybe he's going to really mess with me and, and, and pass gas in my, in my. But I was like, who, at this point, who cares? It's national TV. You know, worldwide television, actually. I don't care. I'm get to bite Vincent's, Vince in the ass. This is going to be awesome. Well, you talk you talk about how when you first like showed up on the scene backstage at WWE, like you kind of rubbed people the wrong way. You like sat in where you weren't supposed to. You were like taking all these photos and things like that. Do you think that part of that was maybe a little endearing to a guy like Vince McMahon who seems to like stronger personalities? Oh, I don't think he knew about it at all. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he knew there was a random midget just taking photos, sitting with Pat Patterson and Viscera. Yeah. What was the advice that Viscera gave you, by the way, when you showed up and were uh, were were so uh, outward towards the rest of the roster? I think that's just my personality. Um, I truly do. I I I'm a very. I'm just. I'm an open person. I don't get offended, and I, I I'm very. I don't know. I'm, I'm outspoken and. I don't know. I'm. I'm a. I. I don't know. I just, that's just my. That's just how I am. I'm. I'm just. I'm a people person. I enjoy talking to people and and sometimes raz sometimes razzing them, and that's just me. Um. Well, you. Uh. You had a really interesting when when you got in. You got in with WWE. It sounds like you had a really interesting crew that you traveled with. Now, I don't want to tell the stories from the book about you know what happened with you and the people that you rode with. But just so everybody yeah. knows, who who were you riding with in the early days with uh, WWE? My first my first riding partners was myself, Mark Henry, the Great Kali, and Davari. Uh. And uh, it's just it's 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 exactly what I call it. It's the traveling circus, to say the least. <laughs> what do you think would surprise people the most about the Great Kali? Um. Man, that's tough. Yeah, because he's pretty straightforward. I mean, he can't, he's hard to understand. So it's not like he's just, this, you know, this English linguist and that kind of thing. He's, he's, he's I don't know. He's he likes to laugh. He really likes to like. And we when he finds something funny, he'll repeat it. He'll repeat it forever. <laughs> Do you have any memories of something funny that he thought of that he would repeat? No, not really, not offhand, but I just remember, I can, I can picture his laugh and just mention, you would hear him mumbling it to himself and just still laughing about it. Um, 
Why do you think that you and Finley hit it off so well and, and you guys had such personal good chemistry together? That one's still, I don't know, because my first day sucked so much. <laughs> my first day was so bad. Like, the interview process and then the, and the, um, just the first day of work was, I just was, I wasn't, <laughs> I kept striking out in every, in every shot I got, it seemed. But it's, um, I don't know. I think he knew how much I loved wrestling and he, he's, you know, he's in the business. That's family's business, essentially. So I think he, he hopefully respected my love of wrestling. Yeah, well, you guys work very well together. You know, somebody else I was surprised to hear that you didn't have such a great with relationship with after some time was was CM Punk. You know, what 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 is your relationship like with uh, with Punk now? Is it is it still as strained as you seem to to make it out a, a bit in the book there? <laughs> I have a feeling with all these interviews I do, that's going to be the number one hot topic. Um, uh, I haven't I I haven't talked to him in a long time. But it's uh, is what it is. We're we're two adults. I, I have a feeling if I would see him, I would just, we could say hi, and it'd be that. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. I mean, that, that's that's it's surprising to me to hear how consistent this story has come up with with people I interview about Punk. You know, do you think that he's somebody that will go to e- AEW to get the vibe that he still has a passion for pro wrestling right now? I think I think he's very passionate about pro wrestling. I really do. Um, whether he goes there or still just as an onlooker on, on the sidelines. It, it is, you know, it's, that's obviously Punk's decision. Um, but it, it's, he's very, very passionate about wrestling. Okay. Um, you know, you talked in the book about as well, your run with the Cruiserweight title, which I know uh, meant a lot to you. Um, but you didn't talk about, you know, how you would have felt maybe that the Cruiserweight title should have been taken off of you. Like, you talk about how it just kind of dissolved and, you know, people put heat on you. At the time, did, did you have any ideas about how you would like to have the belt taken off of you? I just, it, it bummed me out because I never really got to uh, defend it. And, you know, I did the, the Jamie Noble stuff was so much fun. And then it just, we had so much fun doing that stuff. And then it just kind of went away. And I was never given a reason besides the, you know, we want the focus to be you and Vince's son. Um, that stuff. Yeah, man. It just, it was just a bummer to me. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is you were given a chance to show that you could work there. Obviously in that WLC match that, you know, you got the big thumbs up from Vince from and everything, you know, in, in hindsight there, were there more people that were kind of wishful thinking that they'd have done more with you, I guess, in that role, knowing what you could go out there and prove you could do. I was. I know I was. I was always wanting to wrestle and always wanting to work and because and, I believed in myself um, and that match, that's I've said it in every interview I do, that match I'll never beat. That'll that'll be the greatest thing I've ever I ever do in pro wrestling. Um, it just it was special and it still is to me and it still still holds up uh, and it just show. it was nice for me to be able to show everyone that I can do it. Um, another guy you talked about that you were friendly with that you're surprised that WWE hasn't done more with is Zack Ryder. You know, uh, talk to me a little bit about the influence Zack had on WWE with the, with his YouTube channel. He was one of, he was one of the first main YouTube guys. Yeah. Um, his show was killing it. And it was just kind of this joke show, but he loved doing it. And he spent so much time and effort, put so much effort into that show. And, 
it's always viewed as kind of a joke, but man, he loved it. And he, it was his, it was his baby. And I, uh, him and I like to, like to give each other a hard time a lot, but he's, he's one of the good guys. That's for sure. Um, well, somebody else you talked uh, about enjoying working with, but maybe being a little nervous around was triple H when you were getting to do DX and you know, how, how great, Uh how great of a time that was for you in your career. What is it? You know, you were, that's a, that was a really interesting point in in Hunter's career because he was still pretty active in the ring, but he was starting to transition to that executive role. How was it watching Mm -hmm. that transition for triple H moving from in ring character more into that executive role, especially being so close to him in that period of time? I mean, yeah, but by the time I got there, he was kind of, he was kind of, um, already in that role. So I didn't see the transition that much. Um, so, but it's, it's, it, I don't know. I, I didn't really see the transition because I, I always viewed him as in that, that, you know, the, the higher up the office role. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't, I didn't really notice a transition much. Okay. Um, well, it, the, the news is out just this morning here and it looks like in a couple hours, it may be confirmed that, uh, they're going to move NXT over to USA here to go head to head with AEW's on uh, Wednesday nights here pretty quickly. Obviously you mentored Titus O'Neil and NXT, uh, Hunter's running that, that brand there. You know, what has it been like for you to watch NXT grow from what you were a part of there into kind of what it's becoming right now? NXT sure isn't what it was when I was there. No, it is not. <laughs> it, it definitely wasn't as cool then as it is now. <laughs> um, it's but it's awesome. It's 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 definitely uh, the cool and hip wrestling right now, and and it's amazing to think like the guys that they're they're bringing in and giving chances and and giving the spotlight that ten years ago uh, would have not it would have been almost laughed at and never even looked at second. A second time. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think here about if the rumors are true here and we're going to see these two brands going head to head, what are your uh, expectations for an AEW NXT confrontation? Man, uh, wrestling is going to be really interesting yeah. in the next two, like for the next couple of years. Yeah. That's, that's my big, it's going to be interesting to see how everything pans out and goes forward. Yeah. Uh, well, back here a little bit to the book. You know, somebody else that you you wrote nicely about who helped you uh, get into shape uh, when you were putting on some weight was John Cena. It's crazy just to all. Oh, my, the, are you? Are we? T- we're talking about my friend John. Yeah, your like friend. Just, just my friend John, right? Okay. Yeah, is that is that he just? I mean, I said John. I wanted everybody to know which John I was talking uh, about. Yeah, it's fine. It's just you know, I I just call him my friend John. It's not okay. a big deal. Okay. Well, your friend John. Then, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. He's like he's like my you know my other friend Dwayne. You know they're kind of he's gonna be the next my next Dwayne. It's you know we we send each other Christmas cards and stuff like that still to this day. That's that was a that was a blatant lie. I was busting out in the book reading about <laughs> uh, Big Show uh, ragging Dwayne Johnson to the point that he like got flush over thinking that you were. Oh a, yeah. Yeah. That was big. Yeah, yeah. Again, like yeah, I, uh, yeah. It was a, it was a good, it was like a heart, heartbreaking day for me because I thought he was like definitely gonna, it was gonna be this, we're gonna turn into buddies, and he definitely didn't know me from the show at all. Um. Well, with John though, what what is John like as a real person beyond the John Cena character? Like, I'm I'm really interested to who this, who what this guy is like off camera. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't I I don't know anymore. Um, I haven't been around him for a few years, 
Uh, but with me, he's always been awesome. Um, we still talk here and there. Um, he asks how Landon's doing and life, all that stuff. Um, he was there a lot for me, for me a lot, uh, for a few, you know, both in career and outside of career stuff. So he's, uh, he's always been a good, a good friend to me. Um, loves playing cards when he has time and he's back in back then when we we're up and out when we were riding the road, he could put, put back a few beers. That's for sure. I did enjoy reading about you and John Cena drinking cheap beer. I mean, again, I'm trying not to like give, yeah. away, give away the book, but that seems like a pretty fun thing to do. We would, yeah, we would go meet him, me, him and Tony Chimmel were uh, three musketeers. We would go and, Try to get the cheapest and funniest looking cans we could. Uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, it was also kind of interesting to hear you talk about or write about um, the period where that Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston were feuding and how Randy was like, you know, sounded like holding Kofi back a bit. What's it like for you to get to see that play out in like a real life WWE storyline now? I'm glad it did. So I'm not just digging things up. <laughs> I'm glad it's. I'm glad it's talked about. <laughs> Uh, you know, on, on, on the screen. Yeah. Cause it is crazy, man, to read what you wrote there and then to see it all coming out. It just, ver- it just verifies the whole tale is being told, I guess, right now in WWE. Yeah. It's, and, and man, uh, Kofi, I can't, I can't say enough positive things about that guy. He's the WWE champion wrote the forward to my book. That's pretty incredible. If you ask me, it is. And it, uh, I'll be, and that, that shows, that shows, couple things that shows one that he um that he that he is still a friend to me and 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 he's willing to to do something that he knows is so special to me um and he's willing he want he's willing not only willing but he knocked it out of the park like the forward that he wrote just completely was amazing and it it, it kicks the book off in a way that I was so proud of and just sets the bar real high. And I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I met that bar in my whole book and he did it in page and a half forward. Dylan, I got the advanced reading copy of your book from the wonderful <laughs> people at ECW press. That is not yeah. in there. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, you didn't, you didn't get to see the forwards. The, the forwards not in the book that I got, Dylan. I didn't even read that. Ah, you just, that... <laughs> You just got me on the hook. Now you're going to have to, uh, you know, when it comes out on Amazon.com or in Barnes & Noble or local bookstores, you're going to have to check out those forwards. Uh, all right, a couple more questions here. Now, yeah, I have to now. By the way, I have Soul Man, the Rocky Johnson story here, too. That that one's got a forward. That's by, that one's from Dwayne. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, I, I have two of them. I have him and Hawkins, so it's – Two is better than one, you know. Gotcha. Uh, well, I got to go find these now. Um, uh, a couple more questions here while I got you. Uh, yeah. You talk about uh, Leprechaun Origins. Could this yeah. have been a better movie if edited better, differently, I should say? 100, 100% I think it could have been. I think it could have been. I like the film, um, as long as you go into it with an open mind and you don't think it's going to be like the other ones. Um, but I think it could have been way better, obviously. But it's just it's there my you know Zach Lepofsky and my mindset on it compared to what WWE Studios had in mind it was were two 
be different things we we realized. Um, you write in the book about early on one of the, or if not the wrestler who got you into wrestling was the ultimate warrior. Um, how absolutely mind spinningly wild is that you got to confide that into him, uh, just a few hours before he passed away. I'm looking at the picture that Mr. Rob Schamberger, um, uh, painted for me. As you said that, that was the craziest thing ever. Uh, man that's special literally in one word it's special um just that i got to tell him how much he meant to me and he didn't know me from adam obviously and but it was it seemed like it was special to him and meant something to him too that i that he you know i i he had that he had made such an impact on my life um and i i I, I knew I had to say it. Like, I was just going to go up and shake his hand, but then I was like, man, I got to tell him how much. It just like, it just hit me. Like I got to tell him what he means to me. And I didn't plan to tell him just came out kind of. So it was, it was crazy that that was, uh, that was the night he then passed away. And, but it, it, the fact that I finally got to meet my hero was absolutely amazing. That's some that's some crazy stuff, man. Um, uh, you also talked about uh, towards the waning parts of the book uh, how uh, much you you liked Dolph Ziggler. Uh, what did you think of how they booked him at SummerSlam, where he's the Black Knight now that won't die no matter how many limbs get cut off? That's the thing. It's like it's like a Monty Python thing. So it was it was entertaining. That's for sure. You're not going to forget it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something you won't forget. Yeah. Um, Goldberg looked good. Goldberg looked great, man. It was very fun. I was I was in the building and we were all freaking out, having a great time drinking beer, being like, "What is going on right now?" You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was wild. Um, now you are away. You moved away from WWE now. You know. Again, it's like this is a. Uh, I've talked to you multiple times. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a fan of what you're doing on the indies right now. But what 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 goals are left for you now? What where where are the next chapters of your book to be written here? Japan. I. Man, uh, that's. I can't, I, I can, I can stop and retire when I get to Japan. I need to, to do one. I don't care if it's one show. I, that's all that's left for me. Just need to wrestle in Japan once. And then I can, I can actually call it a, a, a very fulfilling career. It's been very fulfilling, but then it will be, that'll be the, the cherry on top. If I ever make it there, that's a goal of mine. That's my number one is, is to make it over there. And would you like to see your son follow in your footsteps? Man, he just got he just got home, um, and of course, it doesn't come in quietly like no nine, like a nine year old never does. But he, uh, I don't know. He, he every week we go to the the my my training camp, and he asks for a ring day, and he's bouncing off the ropes and jumping and chain wrestling with me as much as. I can <laughs> just trying it out and he, he loves it. He loves it. He's been around wrestling his whole life. So would I like it? It would make me really, really, it would make me smile a lot. Um, but I'm not going to push it on him by any means. If he wants to be a scientist or an astronaut or a lawyer, that's amazing. But if he does, if he decides to try out wrestling, that would be pretty cool. 
The book is Life is Short, and so am I. It's coming out here next month. It's written by Dylan Postle, a.k.a. Hornswoggle. Uh, Dylan, uh, again, I tried to just write down as many questions as I could without giving everything <laughs> away. This was all over the place. I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, anything? Uh, do you want to do a hard plug here for the book? For everybody to wrap yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah, you can find the book on uh, Amazon right now for pre-order. comes out September 10th on Amazon. Otherwise, you can check it out on, on the ECW Press website. Um, Barnes & Noble and local bookstores, it'll be at for sure as well. Guys, this is it, it, this is, means so much to me. It's three years of, of work and just kind of opening up about a lot of stuff that I'm sure people didn't know about me about my my real life and about wrestling. And it just, it covers so many bases. I feel this book is, it's not just a midget book or a wrestling book or a dad book or a a, a family or whatever. It's, it's all of it in one. And uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of it. And you you know, the good thing is you didn't reveal the forewords because you didn't even see them yet. No, I didn't. I would have like. I got to go find them now. That's the problem. You have to. It's uh, it's that and that that right there to you know. The thing with the thing with the forwards is I told the writers from day one and the publishers and the literary agencies and all this I don't want to see them and they go why you have to approve them I said then they're approved and they would keep sending them and one time I clicked it not knowing it was them and I had to exit out before I read them. I didn't see it until we just did an uh, early release um, in Oshkosh here two weeks ago. Okay. And I finally, I said, I don't want to see them until it's published. And I picked up the published book and I finally, I went to my own little corner and read them and I couldn't, I texted Hawkins and I texted Kofi together and I said, man, you guys just brought a smile to my face and welled up my eyes. And thank you so much for being a part of this. It's very special. And that was a, it's just such a cool inclusion to to have on such an awesome story. Yeah, man. And all, all the photos at the end that I got in the advanced reading copy, is all that included in the final book as well? Uh, yeah, and I think there might be a couple others as well. Okay, cool. I really like that part of it. I was like, oh, Nick Colucci. Thanks. I know him. I've choked him on the second yeah. rope. <laughs> these, are, these are my buddies. I have to include my – I have to include my uh, – so much, every part of my life. Like that's That's a big thing for me. Here with Lance Archer, talking to him after a phenomenal showing. The American Psycho Lance Archer. The American Psycho Lance Ar- Archer. Get it right. Man, that's scary just to say the American Psycho. God. Damn, damn right it's scary. Following up a phenomenal showing in the G1 Classic, what did it feel like to be part of such a prestigious wrestling event? You know, it was really cool because it was actually not my first one. Uh, I've been a part of five now. I did four in a row. A- 2011, 12, 13, and 14. I uh, did about a five-year hiatus, but it was brought back into it. You know, being with New Japan for the last eight years, it was kind of really cool because it was a kind of a resurgence, a chance for reinvent, uh, to reestablish, to kind of tell people, this is who the American Psycho Lance Archer is. Not who you thought I was, but this is who I am now and who I am going forward. So it was really cool, just like I said, reinventing myself, changing my, my look, my image, my intensity, my ring work style, everything that went along with it. It was really cool. And knowing that the platform platform that the G1 Climax is now, uh, being on Access TV, obviously New Japan World, Fight TV, all those different platforms, 
everybody around the world was watching, so it was a really cool moment. Well, and that's part of it, right? So you mentioned being in multiple G1s, obviously, uh, having been with New Japan for a while now. But New Japan has kind of had this great American resurgence in the last few years where more American fans eyes are on New Japan as they are all independent wrestling. New Japan, of course, being a nation, uh, a worldwide wrestling promotion, right? And so as New Japan has grown over here and, of course, you being with them, what does it mean to you to see more American fans gravitate towards the New Japan product? I, it's just really cool for the wrestling world altogether. You know, I think we're in a time uh, of professional wrestling that it just really have never has seen. You know, there were the, the old school territory days that you talk about. Then you had the, the Monday Night Wars with WCW and WWF and whatnot. And it's been a long time. And right now, because of what, I mean, it, it, WWE still is making the money that it's making and doing what it's doing, the biggest company in the world still. But you've got a lot of companies that are on their heels. And the wrestling fans are the ones that are fueling this, which is what makes it amazingly cool. New Japan Pro Wrestling is a company that's been around for about 50 years. And now, all of a sudden, we're taking over the world with the U.S. market, the U.K. market, Australia, CMLL, and Mexico, and everything that's going on down there. Um, AEW, which is the reason everybody's here in Chicago this weekend with StarCast and everything that's happening. You know, the independent wrestling scene with, like, Warrior Wrestling that I'm going to be a part of on Sunday here in Chicago. It, it, everything is getting so big and everything's been so cool and the fan base is supporting it in ways that I don't think they've ever done before in the past and that's what's making it really cool. So to be a part of New Japan since 2011, to see it grow from just being more or less a Japanese company into a worldwide brand and being a part of that in different avenues and different effects now being you know in the G1 and having that platform to perform in front of the fan base. It's, for me, it's just really cool, and I, it's really special because, like I said, I've been there for eight years now, so it's, I've seen it change. I've seen it grow. You mentioned the G1, and, and on your debut night, uh, you did something pretty cool. You debuted a new finisher, the Claw, of course, right. a throwback to the right. Von Erichs. Right. Of course, you are in Dallas right. for that opening night. Uh, why, why is this, this move so important to you as a professional wrestler and as a fan? You know, it was one of those things. Like, I, I knew going to the G1 that uh, we were going to open up the G1 in Dallas. I knew that I was going to be the opening match in the G1. And I knew that it would be a really cool and special moment, especially in Dallas, Texas, with the history of the Von Erich family and the claw and what it was to the history of pro wrestling to kind of bring it back and, and make it uh, uh, viable in 2019. You know, this is an era of some of the most athletic and amazing wrestlers in the world. Uh, Alex Zane, that I'm going to be fighting at Warrior Wrestling, is one of those guys that's doing some of the most insanely cool, amazing athletic things that wrestling has ever seen before. But to be able to take something as simple and cool and as effective as the claw and bring it back to 2019 wrestling and for the fan base to understand it and accept it, it beyond cool and special for me. What, what did the Von Erichs mean to you? You know, it's one of those things, like, when I first started wrestling, I, I truly didn't know the family. I didn't know the history of the family. I didn't know what they'd done in the business, and I didn't know what they'd done in Dallas. And then I moved into Dallas, and everything became such uh, a big deal, you know, because everybody was like, the Von Erics, the Von Erics, the Von Erics. And then to understand their history and understand their sacrifice for the wrestling world. Um, you know, for me, it's really special, like I said, because most of my career started in Dallas and has been in Dallas. Uh, I've lived there my entire career. I've wrestled there in, in countless independent promotions over my 19 years of professional wrestling. So to be able to come back to Dallas and wrestle in the American Airlines Center and bring the claw to the American Airlines Center, the home, you know, of 
the Von Erichs, not the American Airlines Center, but Dallas. Sure. Uh, it, again, just a very cool and special moment in the special family. One final question for you. We've talked cool. a lot about G1, how right. big of a deal it is, New right. Japan, all that jazz. But people are saying the Wednesday Night Wars, right? You hear some, <laughs> some talent talking about it. You see WWE making moves with their Wednesday Night product. Right. Are we heading into an era of the Wednesday Night Wars? Should fans expect the level of what we had back, you know, 20 years ago? Or is this all just a little bit of hype and hyperbole from both companies? You know, I think the fun thing about the Wednesday Night Wars is obviously you're throwing back to the Monday Night Wars. But that was a different time. You had to have two VCRs and you had to tape everything. And you had to make a choice. You either watched WWF or you watched WCW. Or you watched uh, the first half of one show and then tuned into the last half of the second show or whatever the case was back then. Now in the era of DVR and all that stuff, um, it's a different time frame. Um, and, but I think the, the fun part about it is that people are going to want to watch both products. I think the, the amount of talent that is NXT at the moment, the amount of talent that's in AEW at the moment, if they're tuning in on Wednesday night, they're going to make sure they watch both products. They're not probably not going to choose just one or the other. They're going to be very vocal, I think, on Twitter and social medias and stuff, at, you know, which one they like the best for that night, but they're going to watch both of them. I don't think it's necessarily a case where, like I said, back in those days, most people either just watched WCW or they just watched WWF. Now they're going to watch both because they want to see everybody that's wrestling on those products, and they want to compare them, and they want to talk about it, and who's their favorites, and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, unless I end up on the Wednesday Night Wars, I'm, I'm just worried about the Saturday night delight that is uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV. If you could end up, I know I said final question, one more that right. i got to ask. If you could end up on one of the shows, right. Wednesday Night Wars, uh -huh. who are you going with? Who's paying me more? <laughs> there you go. We'll have it. <laughs> if you could wrestle anyone in AEW, who would you wrestle? I want to wrestle John Moxley. I think uh, our careers have been... I was going to say similar, but I've never been to WWE, so it's not that similar at all, really. But, um, uh, in about 08, 09, uh, we wrestled uh, in Germany together for a company called WXW. And uh, we wrestled in a couple of tag matches together, and we went to do a no right barbed wire match. But um, it was meant to be a tag match. It was meant to be me and Drake Younger, who's now a referee in WWE, against Sammy Callahan and John Moxley, who were the Switchblade Conspiracy. But Sammy got a staph infection, so he couldn't make it, so they took me out of the match, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I'm a bit guy that never happened, because I've always wanted to do a no right barbed wire with Moxley. But um, yeah, at some point, I'm hoping I get to wrestle him in AW. That or Jer Jericho would be cool as well. <laughs> Sadly, Moxley's hurt. Yeah, I know he's hurt at the moment, yeah, but he's not going to be hurt forever. So when he comes back, I'm going to hurt him again. <laughs> <laughs> So it works, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. How's it feel too? Uh, like I kind of asked you this yesterday as well, but how's it feel? Are you asking it again? Then? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you. Again. Okay, cool. But how's it feel to kind of just be like in the AEW product, but with all the talents? Like to add on to the question, I guess like someone like a Jericho and like seeing how he's reinvented himself and everything like that. Is there a certain aspect that you you kind of take from that and want to go further with your character? Well, uh. uh Yes, no, I think my biggest problem is that like where I've been known for like the extreme stuff in sure. the Indies, I don't know where I can go. I don't know where I'm allowed to go with it. I don't know what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. And the problem is no one's telling me what I'm not allowed to do. So I have a feeling that when we get on live TV, I'm going to do something that I've not been told I'm not allowed to do, but probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm probably going to yeah, get fired pretty quick from that. But uh, no, I don't know. Like, um, it's, 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 it's exciting for me to be put under restrictions now because before I was basically free to do what I wanted. Um, and that's what got the buzz for me and like especially like progress and stuff. Well, I did like the Reservoir Dog skit where I threatened to cut off with Lost Bray's ear. Um, and that got a lot of buzz for like the indie wrestling. But now because we've got sponsors on TV, I don't know what I'm allowed to do. I might just do it anyway. And we'll see what happens really. Like if I get fired, 
I'll have loads of buzz going back to the Indies. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I might not be able to set them on fire. I don't think I'm allowed to. I've asked about that. I can't do that. I can't set myself on fire either, which uh, I've done before. But I'm not allowed to do that either. So I, just, I don't know. That's all I'm allowed to do. Should we invite kids to all your press conferences so you so you don't swear on camera? I'm doing really well so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm really yeah. impressed, Jimmy. Honestly, I'm so happy. Oh, like, I'm, I'm, never glad, proud I'm of glad it. you're here because I'm normally I'm very. He swears a lot. I'm okay. I, I know, but I, I'd be in trouble for it. Chris Jericho just covered his ears. Okay, I'm not. Yeah, I'm just gonna try and not swear because I need to get practice not swearing because I'm gonna be on TV soon. So that's gonna be bad for me if I swear. My, my favorite word is a word that you probably haven't ever heard, and in England it just means like mate. <laughs> over here it begins with C so all the adults know what it is but we, we won't talk about it I know what it is oh, what is it? C-U-N-T who knows this is good I like this kid you're good um, yeah I'm not allowed to say that I've been told not even allowed to tweet that which has upset me because if you looked back at my tweets from a few years ago half my tweets were that word so, so how has the change now working for AW and having, you know, as you mentioned earlier, potentially TV sponsors to answer to and, and different kind of an umbrella you fall under. How has that been for you? Has it been challenging? Have you found... Oh, I get paid regularly now. It's really good. With the indie stuff, like, I'd, yeah, I didn't want to get paid. But now it's really good. I get paid really regularly. Um, has there been... The thing is, we've not started TV yet, so I have no idea. Uh, I've not been restricted that much so far. Like, it's something that I'm worried about, but... Until it gets to the point, I'm not going to know what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. So it depends what sponsors we get, what we're allowed to get away with, what I'm allowed to get away with. Um, I think the sort of content I'm going to be able to put on YouTube and stuff is like my own like YouTube channel. Like There's sort of stuff to go along with the matches and feuds. I think that's going to be allowed to be a lot less restricted. But until it happens, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to be quite as creative as I can be in terms of like, especially my, like, I love horror movies and stuff. So I'm going to do like horror movie promos and like vignettes. So it depends like where I'm allowed to go with that. What's your favorite horror movie of all time? Got to ask since you are bringing it up. Probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, all right. Uh, I'm a big fan of The Shining as well. Okay. I know Stephen King hated it, but I, I thought the end of the film was a lot better than the end. So you got, you got both ends are more, more psychological. Yeah, I, I like both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love like American Psycho is not a horror film movie, but like I love that film as like a sort of psychological sure. like uh, sort Deranged. of take on Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You look at this point, you talked about 08, 09, and you were in hardcore matches with John Moxley, and now you look at, yeah. now you know you're going to get a steady paycheck. Did you feel like you would ever get to this point, just considering what you went through 10, 11 years ago? No, I, I never thought wrestling would be a job, to be fair. Like, when most of us started it, especially like guys in the British indie scene, like the indie scene in England was pretty crap, to be fair. We did it because we loved it. We did it because we loved to do wrestling. We could do like most of us at school or college or university or having a job and we could do the wrestling on the weekends. So the fact that for so many of us now it is a full-time job is pretty incredible. To, to be fair, like a lot of us can't, we we knew we were good enough, but we never thought the scene would be big enough for us to actually have it as full-time jobs. And like a, a few of us, like me, Zach Sabre Jr., Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews, uh, Marty Skull, like uh, the sort of the scene resurged on the back of a load of us to turn into full-time jobs for a lot of us. And then like, you know, Zach's in Japan, Marty's with Ring of Honor, Pete's with WWE. Um, and now I'm, I never thought I'd be signed to a major company because people think I'm a liability uh, because I give that impression across on Twitter, especially when I'm drunk. I tweet too much when I'm drunk, that's the problem. But um, I'm not really that much of a liability, honestly. I'm okay, I'm, I'm a good guy. Um, but like, so now that I'm in this position where it's a lot more money than I've ever made before. We were all making pretty good money before, but. I was more worried, like, if I get injured, how am I going to make money, you know, for rent next week or whatever? Like, so now there's less of that worry. Um, and it's, it's nice to have that steady income and that sort of guarantee of money, like, for something that I've killed my body for for the last 15 years. 
Uh, I had my medical this morning though, so my body isn't that. I was going to say I was going to say an F word, but I didn't. Uh, isn't that messed up? Apparently, so yes, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Talking about some of those restrictions, um, have you been talked to at all about what that might look like being different on TV versus pay per view? No idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, but we don't know what the restrictions are yet. I mean, I'm sure I'm allowed to smash glass over my head, which is something I've very much enjoyed doing over the last few years. But you know, that, that's understandable. But it, it's, I, I like I like the sort of visceral reaction from fans with like the paper cut thing I do. Like that gets the biggest reaction out of anything I do because you know what that feels like. So I like to go, I'm going to try and go down that route of like stuff that people can relate to. But I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to allow That's the problem. I've, I've no idea. Until it happens, we don't know. There's been a lot of comparisons made to WCW back in the day and how they kind of spurred the Attitude Era and kind of the edgy product they brought to the table to compete with WWE. And now AEW's doing it where, you know, I'd say it's a little, you guys a little more of the early 2000s kind of punk skater vibe. And I think you really embody that. Is there any kind of consciousness around that backstage? Do you guys kind of know... Um, how you're branding yourselves, what your audience is, or do you just go out there and be yourselves and it just happens? Um, I can only speak for myself, to, to be honest. Like, I've been very conscious of my branding over the last few years of like uh, this whole goth thing, the hardcore yeah. thing, because that's what people expect from me, and that's that's how you know I've made my money over the last few years. Where, where that fits into the AW brand, I don't particularly know at the moment until we get to TV and I see where I'm being pushed and where I'm being put. Who knows? But I don't care whether I'm opening match somewhere in the mid-card, main event, I, I don't care, because I'll just, I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. Like, and I feel like wherever they put me, I want to do the best job I can for them in that role they put me in. Because I like the steady paycheck, it's really nice. It's really <laughs> good. One, guys, I, I, like li- I like living in Orlando, that's really nice. I like yeah, Disney. Is your deal that you continue to work for uh, UK promotions, or are you exclusively just with AEW? Um, so I'm going back home in September, uh, I'm going home for an IPW show, um, just to go home for a couple of weeks, to be honest. But other than that, I'm just exclusive to AEW. I also noticed the Joker shoes. Uh, what do you think of the Walking Phoenix trailers? For I'm really excited for the Joker film. It's, I think it's a different take on it, and it's going to be good. I, I think if you are, it depends on what sort of DC fan you are, but like, I, I, it's a different take on it. It looks a bit gritty. It looks like it's going to be, I don't know, just a good film. Like, it looks like the sort of like old indie American indie, like Tarantino sort of vibe of like that American indie kind of style film. So I'm excited for it. Did you like Batman versus Superman? That's the real. I don't thing. think it was that bad. Yeah, I don't right. want everyone shit yeah. on it. Like yeah. Justice League, I thought was alright as well. Like, yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, there's very little that I walk out of a cinema for. Like, did you ever see Dawn of the Dead? You know, yeah, the, the yeah. shooting game? Yeah. So when I went to the, I went to see that the night it opened in England, there was about 60 people in the cinema and it opened. 12 people left where it ended. <laughs> that's how shit it was. But I thought, no, I'm sticking through this. <laughs> oh, I said shit. I think, that's, I think that's House of the Dead, right? Dawn of the Dead was. Oh, sorry, the House, one, of right? yeah, so yeah, House, House of the Dead. Sorry, Dawn of the Dead was, yeah, House of the Dead was the shit yeah. one. Yeah. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you to Swoggle. Again, uh, Swoggle, a.k.a. Dylan Postle. I guess it's Dylan Postle, a.k.a. Swoggle, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, whatever. His book, Life is Short, So Am I, available now. Go order it. Go buy it. Enjoy the book. It's a very good book. It's fun. It's honest. It's a great book. Uh, uh, Thank you to Lance Archer and Michael. Thank you for talking to Lance Archer, and thank you for getting the Jimmy Havoc Media Scrum as well. Uh, thank you all to listening. We got a great show planned for you tomorrow. Of course, we're gonna have TJP on tomorrow to talk all about uh, what is going on with him and Bellator. What's going on with TJP getting into the fight business potentially here? Uh, our own Andy Melnoski. He interviewed Teddy Long. We're gonna have you that one here for you tomorrow, and uh, we will have the full audio from Britt Baker, Doctor Britt Baker, Starcast Media Scrum, also featuring Michael Weissman making a return appearance tomorrow. Actually, I think we have Starcast Scrums all week, so you'll be here as part of all three shows, Michael. Be here in spirit, baby. Uh, And, of course, this weekend, coverage of GCW's Bloodsport, AAA's Invading New York, and WWE Clash of Champions. All that and more at Wrestling Inc. And if you like us, you like this show, you like our podcast, go over to the Wrestling Inc. Audio iTunes channel. Give us a nice rating. Give us a five-star. 
Give us five stars. Give us a nice review. All those things. Uh, always appreciate it. Michael, what do you want to plug for up? Put over here to wrap up the show. You did most of the work here, but I'm also going to give a plug to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. That is YouTube.com slash Wrestling Inc., where you can catch video versions of some of these media scrums and interviews that are going to be kind of going up throughout the week. Um, I'm going to plug my one again from last week with um, Darren Young, Fred Rosser. That was a lot of fun. It's on my Twitter account as well. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at The Real Wiseman. That's where I post all my most up-to-date interviews, articles I got coming to the website, at Wrestling Inc., all that kind of stuff. Follow me on Twitter, at The Real Wiseman. Yes, I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you again so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>